And this morning, I want to continue my series entitled Unlikely Heroes, Unlikely Heroes. And we have been painting portraits of unlikely heroes for you for the last several weeks. And the first sermon, we talked about Rahab, the harlot, Rahab, the prostitute that was turned into a princess of Israel. And then Pastor Jimmy, who please keep in prayer, he's actually at Medford Assembly of God pitching in for Pastor Anthony. We're one family. We're one family. And so we thank God, thanking God for that. And then also uh, last week, we talked about another unlikely hero and how God knit his purpose and his plan in the lives of this unlikely hero. And then today, we're going to talk about another unlikely hero. But I want to call this sermon The Call the call of an unlikely hero. And remember that God uses unlikely heroes not because they're super people, super men, but because they're available to God. And the truth is, this hero had everything against him right from the beginning of his life. His name is Moses. And if you recall last week, we looked at the story of two women who were unlikely heroes. They were the midwives, the Egyptian midwives, who helped to rescue Moses. You remember that Moses had a death sentence on his life. That Pharaoh said that all of the children, the boys, would have to be put to death because he was trying to control the population of Israel. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 1, verse 15, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose name were Shifra and Pua, when you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it's a boy, kill him. If it's a boy, kill him. And so Moses had a death sentence on his life. And you know, the truth is, unlikely heroes seldom realize who they're saving. They seldom realize who they're reaching out to. They seldom realize the, the effect that they're going to have on somebody's life. They seldom realize that the people that they're touching are often uh, people that do great things for God. They often go even further than they've ever gone in their own personal life. Unlikely heroes are not worried about getting the credit and they seldom realize that there's somebody they're, 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 they're touching and that God is actually wanting to do something incredible in their lives. Let me ask you a question again. Who was it that really ministered to Abraham Lincoln that he would know God in such a way that he would emerge to be one of the greatest presidents that ever lived? Who ministered to Billy Graham? Who ministered to these great men and women of the Bible and in history? We don't know their names. They're unknown, unlikely heroes who didn't realize the effect that they would have on a great man or woman of God. Somebody say amen. But this great deliverer had an uphill battle all of his life and Moses becomes one of the unlikely heroes of history. Look at Exodus chapter 2 verse 1. Now the Bible says that, that after the midwives do their part, now somebody else has to do their part as well. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, 
she hid him for three months. Now, I want you to know that I believe in the Hebrews, that word fine child meant that she believed with all of her heart that God had destined this child to do great things. She knew in her heart, she believed in her heart that Moses was going to do great things. And we always have to believe for our children. Look at me. We always have to believe for our children that God is going to use them in a great way. Come on, somebody. Did you know that my name was supposed to be Moses? Could you imagine that? I'm so glad that my parents settled on Stephen. Can you imagine going to school? Gotta go to Mo. Gotta go to Mo. You know, I'm, I'm not into that, you know. Now, if your name is Moses, don't be offended, but I really like Stephen. But the reason why I, I was going to be given that name from my father is because my mother had a, a bad accident right during the time that, that she was going to give birth to me. She actually stepped on the toilet seat and it slipped over and she fell into the toilet and her, she broke her leg and they rushed her to the hospital, gave birth to me while they were putting a cast on her. How do you, how do you like that, all right? So I am a miracle. And my brothers always say, that's why he's zany. That answers the question. She fell on her head. But, but she saw that was something great in this little child. And what does the Bible say? It says that she, she knew that she couldn't hide Moses forever. And so when he could no longer be hidden... She put him in a basket, obviously pitched with tar so it wouldn't sink. And she sent that basket down the river in faith. And friends, I want to tell you and encourage you that when it comes to your own children, God loves your children even when you can't see them, even when you don't know what's going on in their life. God loves your children. And if you've dedicated them to the Lord and if you've prayed over them and you shared the word, let me tell you, God is going to take care of our kids. Come on, somebody, say amen. And Moses is saved from abortion and now he faces difficulty down this river but again the hand of the Lord is on his life what a story of faith and the Bible tells us obviously that Pharaoh's daughter finds him and she takes pity on him she knows that he's a Hebrew child and she takes pity on him and here's where Moses now is at a place where he can be used by God he's in Pharaoh's court he grows up to be a young man and the Bible says that he begins to understand who he is and the Bible says that Moses goes out and he sees his people being mistreated and he sees his people being beaten and he sees his people uh, being mistreated by Pharaoh in such a way that makes him so angry and here's where Moses begins to see that he's called by God notice Exodus chapter 2 verse 11 one day after Moses had grown up he went out to where his own people were, wa wa were watched and and he watched what was going on and he saw that they were being forced into heavy labor and so he looked this way the Bible says and he looks that way and he kills an Egyptian and he buries the Egyptian in the sand now Moses gets ahead of himself a little bit. God has a plan for his life. God knows what he's doing. Friends, don't ever get ahead of yourself. Don't go ahead of God. Wait on the Lord. There are some people that we prayed for this morning that waited on the Lord for God's timing in their life. They served the Lord faithfully, but they let God open doors 
for them. And you can never go ahead of the Lord. Just stay in step with the Lord. Don't go ahead of the cloud. Don't go ahead of the pillar of fire. Just stay with the Lord. Stay in step with the Lord. And the Bible says that Moses got out of step with the Lord. And he took matters into his own hands. And he killed this Egyptian. And what happens? The Bible says that the next day he went out and he saw two Israelites that were fighting. And so he jumped right in the middle. And he said to the one that was beating up the other, what are you doing? This is your fellow brother. And the wise guy said to Moses, listen, I know what you did yesterday. Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? And the Bible says that Moses was struck, stricken with fear because he knew that Pharaoh understood it about what he did. He found out what he did. And the Bible says that when Pharaoh found out, he wanted to kill Moses. And Moses runs for his life. In fact, the Bible tells us that, that Moses had to wait 40 years in the desert. That, that he grew up and he was in the palace for, for several years. They say it's 120 years, 40 years in the palace, 40 years in the desert, and 40 years in ministry. That's a whole lot of time to wait 80 years before you can actually start doing ministry. But the Bible says that Moses was so discouraged he tried his best. He did what he thought God told him to do. But now the Bible says that he flees into the desert. And while he's in the desert, discouraged over his life, he is passing through and he finds that there are several women that are getting water out of a well and shepherds come and they begin to harass the women. He jumps in there because he's, he's not only called by God, but, but he was raised by Pharaoh's armies and he knows how to fight. And so he deals with these shepherds and he goes on his way and the women go home and they tell their father Jethro and Jethro says, this is a keeper. Go get the guy, bring him back. And so they get the keeper, they bring him back, and Jethro makes a meal for him, and he realizes that there's something special about Moses. There's something special in his life. And so Jethro says, hey, I'll give you one of my daughters. And so Moses marries one of Jethro's daughters, and now he is a shepherd for Jethro. What a, what a life. From the palace to the desert. Now he is in the backside of the desert and he's wondering when is God going to use him? Have you ever felt like God put you on hold? Have you ever felt like God's put you on the backside of the desert and you're waiting for the call? You're kind of in the bullpen and you're waiting for the call. You're on the bench and you're waiting for the call and you feel like God has forgotten you. How many of you in this room have ever felt like God has forgotten you? Let me, let me see your hands. Come on, everybody else, you're a liar. We go through those times in our life. In fact, Moses had, has, had tried once before and it backfired really bad on him. Moses failed. And failure always has a way of working overtime on your self-image. Listen to me. Maybe you're here this morning, and it seems like your entire life is on hold. You've been praying and praying, and nothing is happening in your life. You have felt the call of God. Maybe when you were younger, maybe you came right here at this altar, and you said, God, I want you to really use me, God. I want you to launch me out, and I want to be used in such a way that would blow my mind. And you really believed that God was going to use you right then and there. But now you've been waiting on the Lord. Or maybe you failed in ministry. 
Maybe you're here today and you've come from another church. Maybe you're a pastor in this room. We have pastors constantly coming to Bethlehem Assembly of God. You don't know who they are, but they're sitting in these seats right here. And they have failed in ministry, or maybe they feel like they are a failure in ministry, and they just need to be ministered to, and they need to be, they need to be helped, and they need to, be, they need to securely know that somebody's going to love them and not judge them. And you know what? There are people in this church that have been in ministry, and now they're, they're on hold for a little while. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you failed in ministry, and you feel like you're never going to be able to get back into ministry again and now you're on the backside of the desert and you're waiting and you're waiting and wondering is God ever going to use me again maybe you're not a pastor maybe you were a Sunday school teacher maybe you were a small group leader maybe you were just volunteering in the church in whatever capacity you could and something happened in your life and now you're just on hold you're in a hold in pattern and you're wondering am I gonna ever feel the joy of ministry again in my life well look at Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 come on read with me if you would now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro his father-in-law what a job the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within the bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. That's the first step of being used by God is to say, here I am, God. God, I'm available. God doesn't look for superstars. He's just looking for people that are there, ready to go. I was so blessed Friday night. We went out. And, and friends, I need you to help me. I'm telling you, we're so excited about what's going to happen at Convoy, the outreach on this, uh, this Saturday. But I really need your help. And we've got some flyers outside, and I need you to get out there and hand out the flyers to everyone you know. Anyone you know, hand out the flyers to them wherever you are. Whatever town you live in, at work, just let's get the word out every way we can so that people can know, needy people can come to a place where they can be ministered to. But I was so blessed. There was a family on Friday night that said, Pastor, we've come and we want to help you. And so I went out to Hempstead. We went to Hempstead and there was teams of people and I was assigned to go with a family. And I was so blessed by this family as they went out. They were not afraid and if they were, you would have not known it. And they, we went into some really tough neighborhoods and we were walking around and I was so thankful that I got the privilege of doing that. Friends, let me tell you something. Before the outreach, everyone should go out and see the need all around us. And we went into places that were very needy and I said, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity in fact, let me be honest with you. I did that on Friday night, and if I didn't have a whole lot of things to do yesterday, I'd have been out there yesterday again because I just felt like, man, God, you're connecting me to the need. God, you're connecting me to people that really need help, that really need a hand. And, you know, we went into the parks, and we told them that we were going to give out $300 worth of groceries for free, total gratis, everything for free. And, man, they were so excited. We're going to be there. We're going to be there. We're going to be there. And this brother that came with me, little did I know that I was was going to need to speak in Spanish because most of the area that we went to was Spanish and God 
sent this man to me who spoke fluent Spanish. And we went from bodega to bodega and place to after place after place. And he was my mouthpiece. You know that Aaron was Moses' mouthpiece? Well, he was my mouthpiece. Amen? And it was so exciting to see what God can do. All you have to do is say, here I am. And this man, he didn't think that he was going to do anything great uh, on Friday night. He just showed up. And yet God used him. God didn't need a pastor that didn't speak English to minister to these people. God needed a person who just said, I'm available. And, and, and he actually was more effective than I could ever be because he spoke in Spanish. Somebody say amen. All you have to do is say, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying out before their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them out to a land that is good and spacious, a land that is flowing with milking honey. And Moses said, that's great that you came, God. You go do it. But God had a surprise for Moses when he said, I came down. What he meant was, I'm sending you. I'm sending you to do this work, Moses. Wow, what a call from God. Moses is in a dry place in his life. He's on the backside of the desert. He's thinking to himself, God has forgotten me. He sees a strange sight. He goes over to this bush that is never consumed by its fire. And a voice from God says, Moses... And Moses says, here I am, God. And God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses is afraid. He, hid, he hides his face from God. And God begins to speak to Moses. And Moses said, God, that's great. I'm so glad that you came down to help your people. I'm so glad that you're going to get the job done. And God then says to Moses, no, Moses, I'm not the one that's going to go in there by myself. But I'm going to use you. I'm sending you to Egypt to deliver my people. And the excuses start. God had a miraculous deliverer that he was raising up in Moses. And he actually delivered Moses not once but twice from abortion. And then again, he's put in the river and he's found by Pharaoh's daughter and he delivers Moses twice and now he says to Moses Moses now it's your time to do something great I have delivered you two times I have shown you that my hand was upon your life and friend I got to tell you as I think of this as I think of my own life I realized that I could have been dead twice and God spared my life twice because I know that God wants me to do a great work hallelujah and I believe that God has spared all of our lives in one way or another maybe you know he has maybe you don't know he has Maybe he's put angels around you and you didn't even know that God was sparing your life. But he spared your life. You're here today because God wants to use you in a great way. Whoever you are in this room, God has a plan for your life. Somebody say amen. And God spares Moses' life. And Moses says, okay, God, you go in. You go into Egypt and I'll be waiting for you right here. I'll just hang out in the desert. You go get the people. And you know what? After you get the people, maybe I'll help you lead them to the next step. But you go in there. I'll just be waiting here. And God says, guess what, Moses? You're going to be my mouthpiece. Guess what, Moses? You're going to be my ambassador. 
You're going to lead the people of Israel out of captivity. And you're going to be my right-hand man. And Moses replies, no way, I can't do this, God. No way, this is an impossible task. No way, I'm not your guy, God. And the excuses continue to flow. I want you to know whether you believe it or not, God does have a plan for every one of you in this room. And let me tell you, there is one enemy, one of the greatest enemies of being used by God is excuses. Making excuses. My friend, one of the greatest enemies of doing God's will in your life, one of the things that will stop you from obeying God, keep you from doing the great things that God has called you to do and steal your dreams is the enemy of excuses. The truth is the world is filled with people who make excuses. Why they can't obey God in their life. You see, God has given every one of us God-inspired dreams. And when we're faced with those God-inspired dreams, or God-inspired tasks and situations in our life, we could either say, God, I'm going to trust you, or begin to make excuses why we can't get the job done. In fact, I'm reminded of the story of the people who missed the will of God, missed out on doing something incredible in their life. They could have been recorded in the Bible as some of the disciples that followed Christ. Their names could have been recorded in the Bible as the people that did great things. They could have been recorded in Hebrews chapter 11 in the hall of faith. But the Bible says that Jesus came to them and he said to them, I'm going to use you in a great way. And listen what they said. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a banquet and invited many guests. At that time of the banquet, he sent out his servants to those who had been invited. Come, everything is ready. Come and sit at my table. I've got something special for you. Notice what they said. But they all alike made excuses. The first one said, I just bought a field and I must go see how it's doing. Please excuse me. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married. I cannot come right now. My wife won't let me out the door. And they began to make excuses. Listen to me. Unlikely heroes or ordinary people that are faced with opportunity. They're faced with situations in their life. They're even faced with obstacles in their life. They're faced with challenges. We all face challenges in our life. Let me tell you, when you say yes to God, the challenges will come. When you say yes to God, God, I want you to use me. The enemy's going to come, and he's going to push against you, and he's going to want to see if you're going to start making excuses about why God can't use you. And the roadblocks begin to come in our life, we face roadblocks. Every one of us face roadblocks in our life. The difference between heroes and those who never step out and do great things from God are excuses. We all have, we all have them in our life. I'm too busy. I'm not qualified. I'm not ready. I'm not sure I really heard from God. Let me wait a little longer. I need to get a couple of more people to confirm that I really heard from God. Friends, some of you, you've heard from everyone. You've heard from the pastor. What are you waiting for, the Pope to call you on the phone and tell you that you should be used by God? The truth is we just keep on waiting and waiting and waiting, making more and more excuses. It seems to me that America is really good at making excuses. 
Sometimes we make excuses because we, 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 we've hurt somebody. And we don't want to take the blame for it. Sometimes we make excuses because we don't want to hurt somebody. So we don't want to tell them the truth. Sometimes we make excuses to avoid responsibility for our actions. Sometimes we make excuses for things that we did wrong. Times that we failed. Instead of saying, I failed. I blew it. We make excuses. Well, somebody else didn't do their job. Whatever the situation is. Things that we don't want to do in our life. We make excuses. Situations that we don't want to be in. We make excuses. And making excuses is the number one enemy in obeying God. You remember when Gideon was called? Oh man of, of great valor. I'm going to use you. And Gideon begins to make excuses. In fact, you will find that most of those men and women in the Bible that God used in a great way, they first started with excuses. They first started giving God a whole list of reasons why they could not follow and obey Him. We make excuses when we don't want to believe what God tells us. We make excuses that some of you in this room, I believe you're going to lead a movement. That's what we're doing with Convoy of Hope. We're just, we're not the largest church in New York, but I believe that we can lead a movement of compassion on Long Island. That we can be an example that this is what happens when a church that is very busy, when a church that isn't, doesn't have uh, all the resources in the world, when a church says, we're going to do it, we're going to trust you, God. We're going to step out in faith, and there's liability, and there's risk involved, but we're going to do it. Fifty churches come alongside of that one church to say, we can do this. Fifty churches begin to uh, come together and pray together and work together and canvas the area together and pull our resources together. Why? It just takes one person to say, yes, God, no more excuses, God. We're not staying in our building, God. We're not going to just pretend that we're Christians and play church, God, but we're getting on the street God and whatever happens happens but God we know that you said to go into all the world and preach the gospel we're just gonna take one step at a time God and you're gonna have to solidify the water as we walk on water you're gonna have to part the Red Sea you're gonna have to open hearts and you're gonna have to do the work come on somebody say amen glory to God I believe we can start a movement only takes one person only takes one person to start a movement of change but Moses is afraid and he begins to make excuses. Excuse number one, who am I, God? Excuse number one, who am I, God, that I should go to Pharaoh and lead your people? Listen to me. I think it's really good to be humble. I think you start at humility. I think every one of us have to ask that question, who am I? I mean, I, I, I always say that about what God is doing in my life. I, I mean, I am just completely like, I'm baffled that God uses me. You know, when I got elected as the executive presbyter of the New York region, I wasn't asking for it. I don't want a position. I still don't want a position. I just want to do the work of the Lord, the will of God. And so I want to be honest with you. When they elected me, I was stunned. And they asked me, would you get up and say a few words? And I said, God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And my wife was confounded when I told her that I was the executive presbyter of all of New York region, metro region. I said, wow. And I look back at that and I say, God, who am I? 
God, who am I that I would stand in front of these wonderful people on Sunday morning? I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, folks. You know, I'm not the smartest kid on the block. The truth of the matter is, is that I, I'm really not that educated. But I can tell you this, I'm available. God, whatever you want to do in my life, God, I'm open, God. I'm available. But you know, it really does start with who am I? There are times when I kneel on my knees and I say, God, God, I'm just blown away. God, that we're helping to support 85 missionaries around the world. That God, we have planted churches. And God, we're doing so many great things and we're leading the way on Long Island and we're giving the most money to missions and we're doing all of these things. And I say, God, who in the world am I that you should choose me? But friends, you can't stay there very long because if you keep on asking that question, who am I, you're never going to get the job done because somehow, some way, you've got to realize that you, even though you're nobody with God, you're a somebody. Come on, somebody. That no matter where you've been, no matter what's going on in your life, maybe you are an absolute mess in your life. Maybe you did things that you blew in your life. Maybe you come from poverty, whatever it is. Friends, you can say, who am I, for a little while, but you've got to move past who am I to say, I am. I am the head and not the tail. I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out I am a child of God I am a daughter of Zion hallelujah God's hand is upon my life the Spirit of God is living inside of me and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength somebody say amen glory to God you are loved by God you are called by God you are blessed by God you are filled with God's Spirit and you can do all things through the power of the Spirit in your life you are a child of God hallelujah you get up tomorrow morning and you look at yourself in the mirror and you can say God who am I that you should love me so much and then God will remind you you're my son you're my daughter hallelujah you're the head and you're not the tail you're blessed going in and you're blessed going out and you're going to spend all eternity with me because I love you with all with an everlasting love come on somebody glory to God who am, who am I who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Who am I that I should go to Hempstead? Who am I that I should go to Long Island? Who am I that I should go to New York? Who am I that I should step out of this church and say, God, you can use me. I know who I am. I'm more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. I'm more than a conqueror. I am filled with his spirit. I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I have been called by God before the foundations of the earth. God said, I have been chosen by him that I might be holy and blameless in his sight. And in love, he predestined me to be conformed into the image of his son. And Ephesians tells me that I've been adopted and God has lavishly poured upon me his grace and his mercy and his purpose and his plan so that I might be his representative. Let me tell you something tomorrow morning when you go to work, I want you to hold your head up and say, I am an ambassador of the king. Glory to God. I am an ambassador of the king. I am an ambassador of the creator of the heavens and the earth. Don't you put your head down, Christian. You hold your head up high and say, I am a Christian. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. I serve him with all my heart. And I am a Christian. Hallelujah. I'm filled with the spirit of God. I am a Christian and I love God. And I'm here to serve him and represent him well. Glory to God. And if you can't represent Jesus well, please don't tell anybody you come to this church. An unlikely hero knows that they're nothing without God and they're somebody. They're everything with God. Hallelujah. 
Excuse number two, Moses said, Lord, what if I go and I don't have all the answers? Moses said, suppose I go to the Israelites and I tell them, the God of my father and your father have sent me. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say? In other words, what if I don't have all the answers? God says, you tell them that I am that I am sent you. Now, that's not, that's not good enough, God. I need more answers, God. God, that's not good enough. I am that I am. Who is I am that I am? What do you mean, God, I am that I am? I need some credentials. I need some more information. God said, Moses, my miracles are going to be credential enough. When you go there and you take your rod and you put it on the water and it turns into blood, that's my credentials, glory to God. But you're never going to see those miracles until you trust me that I am that I am is sending you, glory to God. You see, so many of us in this room, we don't want to launch out because we need all the answers first. We've got it all. We've got to have it all figured out. God is calling me into ministry, but God, I need to know. I need to know how you're going to provide for my family. I need to know that, God, you're going to make sure that I have a good pension when I retire. God, I need to have all the answers. God, if I launch out and I do this, I need to know that it's going to be a success. And I need to know all the details before I step out. Friends, let me tell you something. You're never going to be used by God if you're looking for all the details because he never gives us all the details. Because if he gave us all the details, we wouldn't be living in faith. And friends, if he gave you all the details, you'd be so scared you wouldn't step out anyway. You know, I, I have to tell you, and, and I say this all the time, but, but I really admire Pastor David. He is a dear friend of mine. And I have watched him in the last 18 years trust God every step of the way. And when he felt that God was calling him to ministry, he was a successful accountant. Smarter than I could ever be. He's a smart guy. And he just, he just, he gave up that practice to go into ministry to make a fraction he could make more in one day as an accountant than he could working at Bethlehem Assembly of God and then he came and told me that God was calling him to another position and that was gonna cause him to actually now really financially go take a, a step backwards but he did it because he was trusting God and friends let me tell you you're never gonna have all the answers in your life if you're waiting for the answers before you speak and preach and love people, you're never going to do it. God says, you got to trust me like Abraham. Just take one step at a time. you got somebody in your family that needs the Lord. Take one step at a time. Just open your mouth and share the gospel with them. You don't know how God's going to use you in the future, but you know how God's going to use you today. He says, just take one step at a time. Excuse number three. But, but after all that, God, after I trust you, God, after I have half the answers, what if when I go to them and I tell them that, 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 God, you have sent me, what if they don't listen to me? What if they reject me? Let me tell you something. We, nobody in this room likes to be rejected. Anybody in this room enjoy being rejected? Let me see your hand because we will have a prayer line for those people that have an issue. Nobody wants to be rejected. No one wants to fail. No one wants to fail. But let me tell you, when you step out 
of the boat and you serve God, number one, you will fail. There will be times when you make mistakes and you will fail and you will have to shake the dust off your feet and get up, forget what is behind and press on. Nobody wants to fail. Nobody wants to be rejected. What if I tell my Jewish neighbor about Christ and they reject me? Excuses, fear. Fear is the second biggest enemy to being used by God. Fear. What if I step out and do something and it fails? Friend, it's not your responsibility to win the battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. The outcome always belongs to the Lord. What if I start an ESL program and it fails? The outcome belongs to the Lord. What if I start a house of hope? What if we, what if we do this convoy of hope thing? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You know who's carrying the burden on this thing more than anyone else? Gabrielle and myself. We said, you know what? We're going to do this thing. We need $72,000 for this one event. God, I don't know where the money's going to come from. The money has come in every penny. Glory to God. Lord, Lord, the truth is the churches on Long Island are splintered. Lord, the churches on Long Island really don't work well together, God. And you're calling me, you're telling me to call these pastors and say, would you help me with this event? And 50 churches are helping us today. I didn't know half the churches before this event. Come on, somebody, say amen. amen. Now I'm telling you, we're putting the flyers out. But here, here's the deal. What if nobody shows up? What if it rains really bad and we can't have this outreach? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Friends, what if is going to kill you? What if is going to kill the dream in your heart? What if is going to keep you from stepping out in faith and trusting God? Friend, let me tell you something. I got to tell you something. Whatever happens on Saturday with this outreach, that's God's problem. I did my part. He has to do his part. As Pastor Dave says, you do the natural, God will do the super, and it'll turn into supernatural. Come on, somebody. You do your part. Excuse number four. But Lord, I don't speak well. Here's the funny thing. The Bible says in Acts that Moses was an eloquent speaker. Now all of a sudden he he can't he he can't he can't speak. I, 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 he he just started stuttering for the first time when he saw that burning bush. He said, "God, I'm not qualified for this." That's what he said. He said, "God, I, I'm not qualified to do this." God, Lord, you're asking a huge thing to go before Pharaoh. And speak on your behalf. And I, 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 I can't do that. I stutter. I'm not a person of eloquence. I'm not qualified. Friends, let me tell you something. Anytime you step into the God zone, anytime you step into a place where God's asking you to do something, you are never qualified. Because the truth is, I, I'm not qualified to save a cat. That's God's job. We're always stepping into a realm of faith. You know what faith is? Faith is God giving us the ability to believe in something beyond our qualifications. 
to say, God, I'm, I'm unqualified. You know, Moses says, God, but that's not my gift. That's another excuse. God, that's not my gift. That's somebody else's gift. I, I'm not a good orator, God. I, I, I just take care of sheep, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't talk good. And the truth is that there are so many people in the church today that use that excuse, that's not my gift. That's Pastor Steve's gift. It's not my gift to go out and preach the gospel to people, hand them flyers. It's somebody else's gift. You know, we could use that excuse so much. And then God says, I'm going to hold you accountable because I put some stuff in your hands and you're not using it. So Moses says, listen, listen what he says as I close. Moses says, that's not my gift. And God says then, what's his response to him? He says, Moses, what's in your hand? Uh, what's in my hand? It's this, this stick. That's all it is. Throw it down, Moses. And he throws down this ordinary stick and it turns into a miracle of God. Friend, let me tell you something. Every one of you in this place, you have something in your hand. God is asking you to use what's already in your hand. <laughs> I'm reminded of this story of the little boy. He's just passing by. He doesn't know what's going on. And there's like 25,000 people there. 5,000 men plus women and children. There's like 25,000 people there. He's just passing by. He's going fishing. And he's got with him a little bag. His mother made sure that he had lunch that day. And what did that kid have in his hand? He had loaves of bread. How many loaves? Five loaves of bread. And a couple of fish. The kid's going fishing. He's got some loaves of bread and some sardines. And he's going to have lunch. He's looking forward to this. This is a delicacy for him. And he's going to just have his lunch. And he's passing by. And the Lord says to the disciples, Hey guys, look at all these people. We have to feed them. And what do these mighty men of God say? Send them to the hero shop down the road. There's no way that we're going to have enough food for all these people. And the Lord says to them, he, they say they're hungry. And the Lord says, you feed them. You feed them. And they go, there's no way, God. And they see this little boy walking with his fishing pole. And he's got his five loaves and his little fish, his sardines. And he's looking forward to having that beautiful meal. Just him, himself, with the five loaves, the fish, having lunch. And the Bible says that somehow the disciples convinced the boy I don't know maybe they said we'll beat you up kid but he gave it up he gave it up and those five loaves listen to me turned into enough food to feed 25,000 people God's saying to every one of us no more excuses I put something in all of your hands use it now Moses is done he doesn't have any more excuses. He has four excuses, and he's out of excuses. And so he says to God, God, send somebody else. Here's the deal, God. Here's the real deal, God. I don't want to go. See, God had to get Moses to that point. Take away all the excuses to find out what's really in your heart, Moses. And what was really in Moses' heart is he just didn't want to go. And so God got him to that point to say, you know what, God, I just really don't want to do this. I love those people, but not enough to put my life on the line. I love those people, 
but not enough to take a chance and a risk. I love those people, but that's your problem, not my problem, God. And God said, okay, now we can talk, Moses. Now you're being honest. Moses says, I just don't want to do it. Let me be honest with you. When God calls all of us to do something, it's always out of our comfort zone. And the truth is, who wants to go on a Friday night to Hempstead handing out flyers? You got other things to do. Who wants to show up next week on Saturday and hand out food to people? God, I know you love them. And I, I like them a little bit, but I got, I'm too busy. And we got to start right there to say, God, what's really the problem in my heart is that I really don't, I really don't want to do this. And God says, that's all I'm, I'm asking you to get to that point in your life to be honest enough to say, I don't want to do it. I'll put the want to in your heart. All you have to do is surrender, be honest and say, God, I'm willing. That's it. I'm just willing, God. You do the rest. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you, God, that you have called us and you have a plan for everyone's life in this room and you want to use us in an, un an incredible way. You want to turn us unlikely people, ordinary people, into unlikely heroes. But God, it starts with, I want to. And if we don't want to, it starts with, I don't want to, God, but you can change my heart. Give me compassion, Lord. Give me, Lord, vision, Lord, to see the need all around me. Open my eyes again, God, so that, Lord God, I would be willing to trust you enough to launch out.